This is Yawa Radio. A warm welcome to the Yawa Radio podcast. The Yawa Radio podcast is an opportunity again to listen to one of our inspirational, thought-provoking interviews that we have brought to the listeners of Yawa Radio. Yawa Radio is online 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We are your well-being and happiness radio station, bringing the feel-good feeling to every single day of the week. Check us out at yawaradio.co.uk. Now sit back and enjoy this podcast from the Yawa Radio team. This is Glass Half Full with me, Steve Twining, where I'm joined by inspirational guests from around the world, sharing their stories, stories that may well resonate with you. Sit back and enjoy this week's Glass Half Full. So welcome to another episode of Glass Half Full with me, Steve Twine. And when I'm joined by inspirational guests from around the world who share their stories. And it's a pleasure once again to be joined on the line uh, by Stephen Baxter. Stephen, how are you? Uh, yeah, I am great. Thank you. Really happy to be here. Thanks for the invitation. It's a pleasure. Looking forward to finding about, about your story and um, how you formed um, Nine Dots Coaching. But where do we start, Steve? Where did it all start for you in this like coaching journey? You know, was this a was this a relatively new thing, or have you always been involved in a roundabout way? Um, yeah, that's a, that's a great question because if if you'd have asked me five years ago what I thought coaching was, I'd have probably given you a really different answer to the one that I'd I'd give you now. Um, probably because, like a lot of people, I didn't really understand coaching and what coaching actually entails. I've done a lot of training and I've done a lot of mentoring and, and developing of people. But the actual coaching side is a little bit of a mystery to me until probably four years ago. So my, my coaching journey itself started four years ago, but my, my time leading a business and uh, helping develop people has, has probably been 16 or 17 years in the making. And what kind of business was that, Stephen? Then what were you in? Well, you're still yes, involved got, in it, I believe, as well. I, I absolutely, yeah, very much involved in it. Still, really enjoying it. Still, still feel like I can add a lot of value, and and it gives me a real sense of purpose. The day job. So the day job is I am managing director of Roberts and Baxter, and Roberts and Baxter is a financial planning business based in Buddersfield in West Yorkshire, where we, um, well, we try and enable people to live their best lives through mm-hmm. excellent financial planning. So really not just talking about money but actually talking about what makes people happy and trying to use money as the facilitator so trying to view things like retirement as their longest holiday and their second life and how do we facilitate that and actually i really encourage my financial planners in the business to take a coaching approach with our clients and now we've got we've got two of them uh, undertaking a financial well-being certificate at the moment which is all about behavioral finance so let's let's not talk about money okay you know, it might seem strange for financial planning business to not talk about money but we want to talk about the person mm-hmm. we want to get really under the skin we want to be really curious ask really good questions so there's a lot of alignment there to actually mm. what good coaching is 
So I, I founded that uh, business with my business partner, Greg, uh, 16 years ago. And we've built that up now to be um, a recognized brand. And uh, it's got a really excellent reputation. And I started as a financial planner and then kind of followed Peter's rule of promoting myself <laughs> to probably the edge of my capability. And, yeah. and now I'm a full-time managing director. I'm not a financial planner anymore. And and actually spend a, you know a little while in a in a bit of a valley trying to work out what my purpose in the business was and, and what my purpose outside the business was because everything that I've been trained to do I wasn't actually doing anymore and that that was kind of how I got into coaching. Well, did that seem a bit vulnerable at the time, Stephen, when you'd been done all that but you weren't doing it? No, oh, ma- massively, massively. So I, you know, I had a real purpose in that business, which was to help the clients and support the team. And then as I developed away from everything that I've been trained to do to actually lead people, and the best way that you can lead people sometimes is just to get the hell out of their way, which mm. is really, really difficult <laughs> when it's the business that you founded and, and had a lot of control over. So at that point, that that was where my coaching journey really started. So about four years ago, I, I sat and thought, right, I'm managing director of this business. And I am full of imposter syndrome. I, mm-hmm. I'm going to get, someone's going to tap me on the shoulder at some point <laughs> and say, look, we found you out. Come on, out you go. Um, I thought I need more tools in my kit bag here. Got lots of tools as a financial planner, but, but I don't really feel I've got enough tools as a managing director So I I sort of went out and started speaking to people about what I could do. And I I funneled it down to two routes. And the two routes were I'm going to go and do an MBA. And I'm going to learn all about business from a textbook and a classroom from um, academics. Or I could join Vistage, which is an executive peer group, really. Um, 16, 17 like-minded individuals who come together every month to share experiences issues opportunities and talk about their businesses and get support from each other so i thought well mba is safe it's in Mm -hmm. a classroom i get a certificate which i can hang on the wall (laughs) and that really appealed to me um but it's not real time and not all of it's actually going to be relevant to me i could go to vistage get out of my comfort zone be challenged in a room on live events or explore opportunities and that's the route i went i went down and I'm very, very fortunate to be part of the Vistage group that has a chairman who has a real coaching ethos in the group. So he doesn't advise and he doesn't tell. He encourages people to find their own answers. And that was quite new mm. to me. So I remember distinctly sitting down in my first two to one with another member of the group and uh, doing some coaching, yeah. as I thought it was. And I was way out of my comfort zone i did not know what what i thought was coaching was not coaching i was telling i was sharing experiences i wasn't asking good open questions i wasn't being curious and i thought wow i've i've been found out there i i and i want to get better at this i want to get better at this for me mm-hmm. i want to get better at this for my vistage group and i want to get better at this for my business because I don't know enough about this, and this could be really powerful. So um, I went on and did a coaching qualification. So I did the ILM Level 5 coaching okay. mentor uh, qualification. 
And one of my mantras is, I'm naive enough to start, but I'm stubborn enough to finish. <laughs> and, uh, I was definitely naive enough to start, didn't really understand the work involved and how much it would get me out of my comfort zone. I was in the learning zone, which really, really appealed to me. And at the end of that, it was like someone flipped a light bulb and said, it's like, how have I got this far? I've not known some of this stuff. It is so powerful. But then I was a bit like a convert. I went the other way and I was coaching all the time. <laughs> I got some really valuable feedback from my business, actually, when I asked for it. And, and they said, you know, there's a time for coaching. But you know what, Steve? Sometimes we do actually just need to be told what the answer is because we really don't know. <laughs> that was oh, a really, really valuable learning point for me. You know, where do you turn that dial? You know, yeah. what does someone, you know, ask them what they actually want rather than, you know, trying to second guess it. So I did that. And as part of that, I thought, well, I enjoy this so much. I feel, I, you know, I feel I add value. The next natural step for me was to, to set up a, a coaching business. So I set up Nine Dots Coaching, and it's executive coaching for um, sort of C-suite, managing director, CEO, managing partner type individuals. And again, full of imposter syndrome. What do I know about <laughs> coaching? What do I know about running a coaching business? And um, a, another really valuable piece of advice I was once given was give it away for free until you can prove that you can sell it. Mm -hmm. So I just approached a load of different people and said, I need to build up like, some experience. Have you ever had coaching? Would you like to experience it? And, and, and effectively did it on a pro bono basis for a lot of different people to start building my experience, but also building some testimonials yeah. and building some, uh, some word of mouth, really, which is what I did. And that's grown over the last 18 months where I still only like to coach six individuals at a time. Okay. Um, because I really believe as a coach, you've got to be present and you've got to be there in the moment with them. And if I'm rushing around, I've got a really, um, I've got a really involved day job still that I need to give my attention to. So it's only fair that the six people I'm coaching have my undivided time before, during and after with follow up and reflection. Mm. So I limit the amount of people that I coach and. Um, I give them all of my energy in that moment. And that still means that I can balance the, the day job as well. But the spillover into, into Robertson Baxter and the way I've been able to lead has been really significant. Stephen, you just going back to what you're saying, I've just, I've just got this picture in my head is like when you were, when you were first on your journey and you took, you know, your staff were saying sometimes they we need to be told. I can imagine these long conversations where oh, just tell us what to do when you're going, well, have you thought what about this what about that was it one of them moments and what could have yeah, been it was, one of the, it was a classic coach you might say yeah steve what do you think we should do and i'd go what do you think you should do? <laughs> you know and they sort of look at me like so you know again being being a, a good coach i think you've got to have a really high level of self-awareness mm -hmm. and you, you've got to know what the moment needs and, and sometimes you've got to ask that question actually what do you need from me right now do you need advice you know do you need coaching you know what would you like how long have we got that sort of thing so and um, i think having that awareness was was a definite learning point for me i i, I was this you know coaching it was it was like I was this, uh, I was evangelical about it, really, I think. <laughs> oh, just, I got that picture in my head. Yeah. It's, yeah. Hey, come on in. I'll sort of... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, uh, and what I've got better at, I think, based on feedback, and I really thank my team for, you know, being able to be 
candid with me when I asked for it to say, mm. you know, in some moments it's right, but in other moments, you know, you can't coach what someone just cannot see, can you, or they've mm. got no awareness of it. At some point, you can say, and what else, as many times <laughs> as you want, but ultimately you're going to come to a point where they don't have the answer. Mm. And at that point, you know, maybe you ask permission to give them some advice based on your experience, but only really when you try to unpack all of their own inner resourcefulness. Yeah. And so when, when you were when you were going through this process, you know, um, on your coaching journey, did you ever feel there's some resistance when people were challenging you about stuff? Did you did you ever feel like, oh, I don't want to hear that. How, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> I think. I mean, I think as a leader in any business, whether you're a coach or not, you have got to be able to receive feedback in, in the right way. So really good businesses have feedback that goes up and down. You know, you've got to be able to be open to it and to learn from it. Um, it is difficult when it's your own business that you started in an empty office when you were lying on the carpet trying to get an internet connection and you built your own desks from Ikea. And, you know, that's hard when you when you built it from the ground up to have somebody say to you, you know, I think we should do this a different way or I think your approach should be different. But ultimately, that's the value of having good people in your businesses. You get different insights, different perspectives, and if you don't encourage them to share them, then it's just a dictatorship, isn't it? And, and, you know, a good business with a good culture is going to encourage people to talk openly, make mistakes, fail, learn, grow, you know, and that's, I'd like to think that's what we encourage our people to do. En enough that they can say, enough of that coaching, Steve, you know, come on, you know, there's a time for that. Yeah, just as you're talking there, remind me of that. It's a wonderful story from an American business guy that uh, somebody in his business had put a decimal point in the wrong place or something had happened and it cost him a lot of money, ten, you know, $100,000 or something. And, and he got called into the office with his CEO thinking he's going to get the sack, right? And the CEO said, why, why, why on earth would I sack you? It just cost me $100,000 to train you. <laughs> not yeah. to do that again you know what i mean yeah. it's like yeah, and it was yeah. it was encouraging and you mentioned imposter syndrome and stuff like that it's just, it was was does that bring in then anxiety around that is that at that time when you were doing things thinking yeah um imposter syndrome is something i talk about a lot actually because i, I believe to some extent we all suffer from it in in any you know not just yeah. in your uh, professional environment could be, you know, in, in a sporting sense or whatever it might be, where you've got to a point where you think, I'm going to get found out here. And um, I, I've suffered from it and still suffer from it throughout, throughout agree, my career. Agree, yeah. agree, agree. <laughs> and, and, and actually, I think it's, it, it's a case of reframing it rather than trying to uh, diminish it or move on from it. I think it's a case of noticing it and recognising it to start with. And, and I've had lots of really good advice around this over the years. One piece of advice I, I was given, which I always remember, is your own imposter syndrome will feel far less significant when you realise that everybody else in the room is too worried about their own imposter syndrome to worry about yours. You think, <laughs> I love yeah, that. <laughs> that's absolutely right. And I, and I think if you can just change imposter syndrome, syndrome it gives you the impression it's a disease mm -hmm. and it you know and it's deep rooted and, and it's going to be hard to get rid of 
actually, if you just try and reframe it slightly to imposter thoughts that come and go rather mm-hmm. than are there all of the time. And, I, and actually having that, to me, I think it keeps ego in check. I think it, it keeps you learning all mm-hmm. the time because you feel that you want to be better. So if you can reframe the imposter syndrome to imposter thoughts, and then actually, if I ever talk to people about this in coaching, what we try and talk about a superpower that is imposter syndrome, use it as a power to say, I can get better. I've not made it yet. I can keep learning. I can keep growing. There's more for me to understand. But also there's more for everybody else to understand as well. It's not just me. And I think that helps you frame it a bit more positively. Yeah, no, I love that as well. And, you know, I remember just as you're talking there, you know, I remember going back many years now, I was running a food business and I never intended to run a food business in my life. Right. But ended up as MD of this food business. And I was sat in the boardroom one day doing exactly what you're saying, going, how the hell have I got here? You know, what am I doing here? You know, my yeah. dad used to, my dad always used to say, it's a hard life. And I've, and I, this has not been, this has been a pleasant journey. I don't know why I'm here. And and for a spell, I used to make things harder than they needed to be. Yeah. But you know what, Steve? I think that's a really interesting point. And that's something that, that I do come across quite often in my coaching at, at sort of managing direction, CEO level particularly sort of my generation. So their parents worked hard. Mm. So I think that that's something that people say, I I don't feel like I work hard. And that's because they're comparing it to their parents who maybe were farmers, you know, or or worked in manufacturing, Mm. you know, or, or, you know, did heavy lifting, manual, blue collar jobs, you know, and and worked hard. Mm. And when you're an MD and a CEO and, and effectively you've, you've sort of gravitated to that boardroom and actually don't feel like you're doing any work yeah. as such, there's a guilt and there's a success guilt that comes from it that actually they don't feel that they deserve their success because they haven't worked hard enough. And, okay. and it really is related to all of the role modelling that they had from parents or the previous generation and it's trying to move on from that now. So, you know, we live in different times. Working hard feels different. Let's, let's not talk about working hard. Let's talk about impact and adding value. And if you can reframe it that way, people start to lose a bit of the guilt around it. Yeah, no, I can I can go there. So how, how well, where, where did the name Nine Dots Coaching come from then, Stephen? Uh, yeah, so Nine Dots Coaching, I, I oh gosh, I racked my brain. So <laughs> so when we started the financial planning business, Greg and I came up with this, you know, really creative name that was Robertson and Baxter, both power surnames. <laughs> so that, that didn't take much thought, but that industry we felt at that time needed something that felt solid and secure. You know, we didn't want to give it something flower and, and fancy. When it, when it came to the coaching business, I wanted to give it a name. I didn't want it to have my own name because I wanted a degree of separation from the from my main business. So I spent a long, long time throwing ideas out. I'd see stuff, I'd write it down. And I was reading a book one day and there was a chapter on the nine dots puzzle. Mm-hmm. So the nine dots puzzle is, is a square with nine dots in three rows of three. And the challenge is to link all of the dots with one unbroken line. And um, spoiler alert, the, the only way that you can do that is is to go outside of the box. So you've got to go outside of the box of the nine dots to come back in. 
And it, and it, that's what spawned the phrase thinking outside of the box. And I thought, well, that's a really nice fit for a coaching business. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. So, Steve, how, how can people get in touch with you if they want to work with you and find out more about what you do? Yeah. So I, uh, I've got a website, which is uh, nine.coaching.co.uk. My email address is Stephen at nine.coaching.co.uk. Uh, I'm on uh, LinkedIn as well as uh, as nine dots coaching so i can be uh, contacted through any of those methods i'd love to talk to people about their experiences and share experiences in that community as well and, and i guess you know in the in the wonderful world that we live in now and uh, like we're talking over over zoom and things like that you can work with anybody anywhere i guess yeah i mean crikey we've had a really hard three years haven't mm-hmm. we and mm-hmm. uh you know, certainly my experience is people have needed coaching and mentoring probably more than ever, not just through that period, but actually coping with the new world and the aftermath of that. And one of the positive things that came out of that was the ability to do this and it just be a lot more accepted. So, uh, you know, I, I would I always prefer a face to face meeting because I think, you know, that communication through body language tone as well as the spoken word is so much more powerful Mm. but my experience is coaching through zoom or through teams can have equally the same level of impact if it's done right wonderful stuff well Stephen, just give us that website again and contact details yep so it's nine dots coaching.co.uk and it's Stephen with a ph at nine dots coaching Wonderful. Well, look, thanks for sharing your story today and the work that you do. And um, you know what I love? I just love the openness and honesty when we share these stories. It's not about the rah-rah-rahs. It's real people who've got real lives that make a real difference. Yeah, I think if you share your own vulnerability, in the majority of circumstances, people will step into that space and join you there. And sometimes as a coach, you've got to be able to put yourself there and open the door for someone to step through. Wonderful. Well, look, thanks for joining us today and whatever you're doing for the rest of your day, have a wonderful day. Pleasure. Thank you. Enjoyed speaking to you. Thank you. Time for another inspirational quote. Be happy. Be inspired. Ask yourself at every moment, is this really necessary? Marcus Aurelius. This This is is Yawa Radio. Radio. A big thank you for taking the time out to listen to this podcast from the team at Yawa Radio. Remember to check us out live online 24 hours a day, seven days a week at yawaradio.co.uk. And if you'd like to join us as a guest on Yawa Radio or as a guest on the Yawa Radio podcast, we would love to hear from you. Simply email studio at yawaradio.co.uk. UK. Once again, a big thank you for taking the time out to listen. This is the Yawa Radio Podcast. Copyright applies. <laughs>